0: Welcome to Buy In, a podcast about the intersection between American and Taiwanese culture. I'm Joe, with me is Jack. Hello everyone. Anna.
1: Hello. And
0: Ryan. Hi there. How's everybody doing? We are great. <laughs> three day weekend. Yeah. yeah. What are you guys going to do on your three day weekend?
1: Practice sweet potato bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Practice making sweet potato bowl?
1: Yeah, we are going to sell the sweet uh, potato balls in some market maybe six weeks after
0: mm-hmm. it
2: sounds like we're all going to be doing that yes yes we, we're I'm getting w- uh, coerced really w- in yeah <laughs> uh, <it's> taiwanese culture <laughs> <laughs> and two white guys in the kitchen
3: this <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's just taiwanese culture With those damn foreigners taking our jobs and then it's going to be me just like <laughs>
1: People will like it, yeah. <laughs>
3: they was
2: something so confused, yeah. <laughs> for, for our English speakers, that's uh, hey, handsome guy and beautiful woman <laughs> <laughs> in Mandarin the only Mandarin uh, I, words I know. <laughs> I think they will keep checking the
3: sign. Oh, is this really Taiwanese food or oh, American food? Maybe <laughs> I'm excited, yeah. Uh, I
1: think at that day, maybe we will have two Japanese, uh huh. Will Emily come or not? I don't know. We'll see. No <laughs> yeah. one knows. Yeah. One Canadian, maybe. Uh, Emily is maybe. A, uh, a wind.
2: <laughs> yeah. A whisper oh, on yeah. the wind. We never know.
3: And currently, our federal rate is
1: 50%. So worried about that. 50%
2: oh. failure rate on
3: making... What, what happens <laughs> oh, when it no. fails? <laughs> it just doesn't like expand. Keep the same size. Uh-huh. Because
1: it needs to... How does it pump up? Yeah. I really I really to need to see what we're,
2: what, what we're working with here. Okay. I have a lot of experience cooking, and I just don't understand what you guys are doing. Okay. okay.
1: I want to see. Next week. Okay, next week.
2: Yeah, if anyone wants, we're going to be hawking <laughs> them out <laughs> front <laughs> of LeVert. Sounds like a good use How much here. could we sell them for, do you think?
1: Uh, very cheap. 150 uh, <inaudible> 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 Three bowls? <inaudible> Three bowls. Three bowls
2: for uh, a hawk. <inaudible> in one <inaudible>
3: kushi?
1: <inaudible> 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 One stick, stick.
2: yeah. Wow, oh, it's like uh, a dongo stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. big?
1: Big, yeah. Kind of like this, this size. One is twenty grand. like oh. a golf ball for those. Listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. <laughs> for a hundred fifty yen. Yeah, I oh. think it's super cheap. That's very cheap. What is your yeah. b- what's your cost on uh, like product cost? I per per. Uh, I sale.
3: think uh,
1: we d- we didn't calculate
2: sixty five. Sixty five yen. Yeah. So you're doing that's
1: but, a big but that But that's hmm. just the ingredients. Just the we ingredients. So about yeah. and what power? about your labor How
2: cost? Much are you paying <laughs> <us>? Yeah,
3: we're <laughs> expensive, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, your labor cost is free for this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> sounds like a good <laughs> use of your three-day
3: weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. nervous.
1: No and we also preparing the Pikmin suit oh. for you guys. Oh,
0: my God. So exciting. It's going to...
1: Finish, guys. So wow. We can have a Pikmin suit. Very exciting For Halloween. Excited. I
0: didn't even know what Pikmin were until <laughs> yeah. you guys introduced me to this. And now I'm going to be one for Halloween. <laughs> oh,
2: God. I heard Yukako is going to help this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, help yeah. This it? weekend. That's wonderful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much excitement in your lives right now. Uh, yeah. October will be super busy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jack, I understand uh, this week you came to a new understanding of Bidenomics? Yep. Uh, where did you, did you get some additional information, or what? what uh, yeah,
3: I check some like YouTube video and also do some like read some article on the website. Yeah, and I just realized that the uh, actually biodynamics is not so unique in the history. Oh, really? Yeah, and, uh it's basically two concepts that the uh, two tools United States have to stimulate the economy. One is the Fed. Fed rate, we're talking about the the interest rate, and that we call it monetary policy. Yeah, and the other way is the fiscal policy is all about the uh, tax rates and uh, the infrastructure government want to build up. So that in that case, government will like publish uh, the bond and loan the ma- money from the market, and then do some like big infrastructure investment. So, in that case uh government also pumping the, wa- the the money into the market also will make the economy more hot yeah so uh actually uh they said uh before like maybe seventy years ago, united states uh basically doesn't want to interfere market so much, so when the big uh big recession happened. Uh, the government actually, they, 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 they don't want to do anything. They think the markets can fix by themselves. So, but eventually it proved that a uh, big recession kept like 10 years, I remember. And 10 years, uh, the the, um, the uh, losing job rate is super high. And uh, uh, also the economy didn't like fix itself. Yeah, so after uh, John Kennedy... And it start to cutting the tax rates from the uh, uh, company, and uh, also they found that uh, we have two tools actually can booming the economy growth rate. So after the Pandora box being open, <laughs> so so now they have these two tools. And Bidenomics actually is not special. It just like have restrictive uh, policy on, on monetary, and but have the expand uh, expensive. Uh, the policy on the phys- physical way. So now they are cutting the student loan and also they are uh, doing the big investment on the green uh, energy and something. And this is not special actually in the history. Like Many times this kind of conflict policy will, will show up. But the, uh, the limitation of the physical policy is the political. Because everyone doesn't like borrowing money. And uh, if the uh, government uh, deflects, the number goes too high, that uh, it's very dangerous because they will lose the election. The the, the citizen doesn't want to see the government borrowing so many many money. So eventually one politician will come out and say, oh, you are uh, letting the debt to the future, and uh, you are doing irresponsibility uh, actions like that. So uh, somebody will come out and say, "We need to cut our uh, fiscal policy."
0: Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times that breaks down along party lines. Typically, the Republicans are the ones yeah. who want lower government spending. Uh, At least that's what they say anyways. Mm. And then the Democrats tend to be the ones who want to expand social welfare programs and other government spending. So, yeah, it's kind of an old debate in the U.S. and it goes up and down and up and down.
2: Yeah, I mean, every election, political, every political election, the economy is always one of the most contentious issues. Yeah, that's always a blame game oh you did this so that's why it's bad or you did this and that's like really salient for voters Mm. so whether or not it's ever true the claims that like politicians are making it's always used probably similar in Taiwan though yeah 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 so the I I think it will like repeat the history
3: like this dynamics will be end by some (laughs) politician comes out and then say okay let's cut our like spending and then the the guy maybe will win the election and then the dynamics will end. It's just like history.
2: Yeah, and yeah, of course makes it, the uh, the like the actual effects of these policies take a long time to like come through. Yeah. So probably the next person will see either the positive or negative effects. Yeah. But it will get the the, uh, the credit will be given to well, them. Yeah,
0: that's what's happening right now. Like the GOP published a tweet recently talking about the gas prices when Joe Biden came into office and how much higher they are now. But it was the GOP who voted against a bill that was proposed by the Democrats to prevent um, price gouging in gasoline. Basically limiting the amount of profits that the gas retailers... And Sorry, what's GOP? The GOP is the... Republican Party. Yeah, oh. yeah the Republican Party. So they're blaming biden for the gas prices when it's their party who voted against a bill he supported that was designed to limit gas prices well and so so it's,
2: it's like that's a the gas prices are global it's a global thing but there's never that conversation that's like, <laughs> oh, it's only our gas prices are big, so it's our politicians' fault. Oh, you know? So it's like, it's yeah. always a very short-sighted, very yeah. contentious thing. Yeah. Or it's always a blame game in uh-huh. order to gain power on uh-huh. yeah. one side or the other.
0: That's one of the weaknesses of democracy is that it's hard to have a long-term vision for your country mm-hmm. when every four years you can have a change of party, change of philosophy. You can't have these long-term projects that everyone agrees upon because... You know, people disagree about so much, so it's it's difficult,
3: especially
2: in a bipolar democracy. That's the worst is when you don't have like a medium or Mm. middle ground party, the third party. Yeah, we only have two extreme extreme parties on both sides of the political spectrum, and there's nothing in the middle that people can like come and unite around. So there's no like singular idea; it's always just revolving. Uh, undoing of what other people did before. Mm. No step
0: forward. It's yes. yeah. yeah, one president passes a bunch of new legislation and then the next president comes in and repeals all of it and passes <laughs> his legislation. <laughs> like Obamacare. Yeah. yeah. So put forward and then tearing, torn apart and I was getting put back together. It's like... Oh my God. So it's hard to move forward when everyone's constantly undoing the work that everyone else has done and we can't agree on a on direction.
2: Yeah.
3: And the latest uh, CPE number uh, released in this Thursday uh, is... CPI? oh yeah. Sorry, CPI. What? And what is CPI? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Consumer something. Consumer per something. Power index now. Index. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something but index. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, it's a uh, inflation, <laughs> inflation, <laughs> ah, <laughs> index, ah. index of inflation. Yeah, it's a uh, three point three, and uh that's core CPI. Core CPI is like uh, they they exclude the uh energy price the gas price and the core c p i maybe means that the uh, the people pay on their uh rental and people pay on their uh, the the how to say that the many service in the market so consumer price index c p i mm. yeah so now it's reducing to three point three uh the last season last month was three point seven yeah so actually the inflation rate is reducing although although the opex the 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 yeah, they are reducing the pro- product so now gas price is getting higher and higher but the the core CPI is still reducing. So I think United States economy will soft lending. So that's a good thing for everyone because original the only way to fighting the inflation is the economy recession. Mm. So that is means hard lending. So now maybe the Fed can achieve their goal to to make a soft landing uh, uh like punch down the inflation
0: but uh not not causing the economy recession yeah, yeah it's so weird we've been <coughs> expecting a recession for years and yeah. it hasn't quite happened yeah. everyone's kind of waiting they keep thinking tomorrow's going to be the day but hasn't come yet i think
3: we already into a era that everything happens so re repetitively 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 (laughs) and uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 everything like happening very short time like original one economy cycle will be like decades but now maybe like five years or three years one cycle finish and next cycle happen so and uh, i think after the pandora box be open like the government one of the government's job is to stimulate the economy so economy can only be growth cannot like stack, stagnant or something otherwise it, w- it will be like japan's losing 20 years or 30 years last decade yeah, yeah the, the, so so now everything is like we are on the on the cliff point of out of control or, and under control
2: like mm. it's very dangerous i think there's an interesting uh conversation in japan right now yeah about that idea of Endless growth versus non endless growth, and what and trying to find sustainability within an economy. And they're talking about like revamping Marxism, which is really interesting in Japan because like communism is very like a bad word, like it is in America as well. But they're talking, there's some groups within the government that are talking about like revamping communism for a modern idea and stop approaching or stop chasing growth and rather chase like uh, quality of life which is a very interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how far it goes.
3: <laughs> I think our destiny is to grow. That's uh, humanity in my mind. Like you cannot stop growing. If United States say, okay, we stop growing, but uh, China, you cannot stop them. They will keep growing. And uh, I think that's our destiny, keep growing. But uh, how to like redistrib- distribute the resource to the citizens under this system?
2: Yeah. That's the question, yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Interesting subject. Uh, I know, Ryan, today you had something you want to talk about related to health.
2: Getting swole, baby.
0: Yeah? Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) The
2: last time we talked about, uh, it was just Jack and Anna. Um, Joe, do you remember? I don't think you remember. (laughs) How important is exercise? I think I told you a number. Um, Imagine you have the top 15% in strength, Mm -hmm. and you have the bottom 15%. Double? Double. Hold, well, I haven't finished yet. Yeah, but I remember. You have the top 15% in strength, and you have the bottom 15% in strength. What is the difference in chance of death? Isn't that double? percentage?
0: 250%, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it is
2: 250%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of ruined though I was paying attention. on that. Yeah, but for the listeners, you got to pretend. Oh, uh, 7.3%. Oh, no, it's not that, Joe. It's way more. How much more? 250% <laughs> surely <Joe>. not. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That was a much better reaction. That's what you wanted. But anyway, um, so the point is that uh, exercise is extraordinarily important. No? Yes, we all agree. What kind of exercise does everyone do? Joe?
0: So recently, because I'm preparing for the triathlon, uh, I've been doing a lot of swimming. So I swim at least four days a week, 1,000 meters per day. And uh, I do light weightlifting. I do yoga. And I've been doing some stomach exercises to help with my lower back pain. Do, do core exercise every day yeah every day i do the core and the yoga stuff swim about four days a week and then rock climb once a week
2: cool what about jack how uh, many days a week how much
3: i think two days a week and uh, in the weekdays i try to ride in bicycle to a company but oh. original plan was like five days per week but now only one day per week <laughs> 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 it's too difficult to wake up early And uh, walking to the office with a very sweaty Mm. (laughs) situation is not good. (laughs) Mm.
0: Yeah. And the weekend, we do the rock climbing together. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go on long bicycle rides on the weekend as well, right? Like 40 kilometers, 30 kilometers. Yeah. If
3: I have time, because uh, that will cost, that will cost, (laughs) that will cost like four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What about Anna?
1: These two weeks, I'm, because I practice sweet potato bowl too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot do the Pilates. Yeah, but usually, recently,
0: usually
2: yeah. you do Pilates, Pilates every yeah, day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do every day. Uh, uh, uh.
1: How it, long every day? Just 30 to 30 minutes to one hour. 30 minutes to one hour. Cool.
2: Mm. So I have a question for you guys. Um, there is a thing called your marginal decade. Your marginal decade is going to be the last 10 years of your life. Everyone has a marginal decade. Some of us might, Already be in our marginal decade, meaning we might die from cancer. So this might be our last ten years. How old do you want to be? Have you ever thought about it? How old do you want to live to? Yeah, how old do you want to live to? Well
3: one fifty years. One hundred. <laughs> you want to live so far? Okay, that's one that study say that. Okay, uh, one hundred and fifty. Uh, we yeah. got one hundred and fifty. We have potential. Please remember. Please okay. remember,
2: Anna. How old do you want to be?
1: I think just until I'm not healthy. I no, I,
2: you gotta get an age. <laughs> It's not part of the game. We have to have an age. 80. Though. 80. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll put a perspective. The global average is 72. The Japanese average is 85. The American average is 82. And it depends on sex uh, for that. So 80 is kind the of...
0: American the average is 82? 82, yeah. People on average live to be 82 years old? Depends on men.
2: Women are... Yeah,
3: men wow, it's way
0: higher than I thought it would be. I yeah. thought
2: United States is lower. Uh, no, women is at 82. I think men are a oh. little lower, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. And this, interestingly enough... Quick aside, the, uh, this is the first, I think, the, in the last couple of years, was the first time in a very long time that we had a decrease yeah. in average lifespan in America. Uh, because COVID? Uh,
0: mm, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. So COVID obesity. is what's
2: probably going to be said as the mm. main factor, but no. I, I think see. Right? COVID is a symptom. The COVID deaths was a symptom of obesity and unhealthy lifestyles. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so 80, right in the middle. What about Jim? Joe?
0: Uh, well, for the purposes of this question, we'll say 80. 80. Okay. <laughs>
2: so that means your marginal decade, we'll start for Joe, 70 to 80. 70 to 80. And for Joe, 140. 140 <laughs> to 150. You need to like, like combine with low technology development. Yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah. Okay. yours is a little special, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so with your marginal decade now, you have to think what do you want to do in your last decade? What do you still want to be able to do in your last decade? Heroin. Seriously? No. (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, maybe.
0: I mean, if it's your last decade, why not, right? But no, no.
2: uh, Physically. Physically, what do you want to be able to do? Like, for example, do you want to be able to walk a dog? That takes a lot of force to, to hold. Like, if you have a big dog, walking a big dog takes a lot of force. And a lot of old people cannot do that. Do you want to walk unassisted? Meaning no cane, no walker. Do you want to be able to climb X amounts of flights of stairs? That is difficult for old people. Do you want to be able to lift a heavy suitcase onto your bed or something like that. Like what physically do you want to be able to do?
0: Yeah. Basically be able to do all the standard parts of living unassisted, okay. you know, walk.
2: Yeah. Joe, I would think you have the most interesting idea of this, right? Cause you're going to have assumingly, grandkids by then as well. Maybe. Yeah. So that would be like lifting your grandkids is probably an important thing. Mm-hmm. And that takes, uh, like we take for granted how easy that is now. But once you get older, that becomes a very difficult thing. Mm. What about uh, Anna? What do you want to do in your marginal decade?
1: Mm, I hope I still can do the climbing. Do rock climbing? Mm.
2: Okay, yeah. I know a guy that climbs every day at 75. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I drop, maybe I would die. <laughs>
2: Any other like goals that you want to do? Mm. Rock climbing? Mm.
1: No, I just remember... Just, I still can memorize thing. Maybe it's okay. Okay, Even yeah. For me, and that
2: is that's a, yeah. So mentally, that's an important quality as well. Uh, we'll talk about. But what about Jack? One forty <laughs> to one fifty. What do you want to be able to do?
3: I hope Smile. I c- <laughs> still can do the triathlon. Still <laughs> want to be able to
2: do a triathlon. There are many
3: like high edge people who are doing triathlon. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting. So now, um, obviously, with this these. <laughs> That's a very lofty goal on Jack's side. (laughs) (laughs) I would say Anna's is fairly lofty and Joe's is fairly realistic, I think, for most people. Um, And so with that goal in mind, you have to think now the investment that you have to put in in order to then reach that goal in the future. Um, Because I I talked about this with Jack and Anna before, but Joey, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but over 40... (laughs) (laughs) Don't be sorry. Everyone should be so lucky to
0: live to my age.
2: Over 40. It's, not, it's nothing that, you know, is targeted towards you. But over 40, uh, there is a 1% loss of muscle mass every year on average. There's a 3 to 5% loss of strength on average every year. And there's an 8 to 10% loss of speed every year if nothing is done. Meaning if you're not active and you're not currently adding more strength to that. So as soon as you start to hit, it's not exactly 40. It's not like 40-some magical number where all of a sudden you go down. It's different depending on everyone's genetics and all of that, but it's around 40. You start to head down the hill rather than up the hill. Uh, So we have to invest or um, we have to build a reservoir capacity now when you're younger to then continue on and be able to do all those wonderful things. Joe, opinions on that? Is that surprising? Did you know that already?
0: Uh, I mean, I knew it kind of anecdotally. I didn't know specific percentages or anything like that, but yeah, everyone knows that, you know, 40 is considered midlife. Um, but you know, the way lifestyles are these days, I mean, people in their forties and fifties can be much more active than uh, their predecessors. It seems like, so yeah, I definitely know it's important. Uh, again, also bone density loss yeah, osteoporosis and, and muscle issues. loss is a big issue as you start to get older. So yeah, doing some kind of resistance training becomes ever more important. Yeah, I think not. If you doing triathlon
3: training, there's a there's a picture that if you do the triathlon, your muscle will be, look like the left hand side. Sorry, it's in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do don't do any training, your your muscle will like have a lot of fat. Inside. Wow. Yeah, and if you like doing triathlon until you are 74, you still have very
0: good muscle quality. The ones on the left look like nice, delicious hams. And the ones <laughs> In the middle are Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I no. want to have the nice, delicious hams, Jack. Tell me how to do it. <laughs> triathlon. <laughs> That's
2: I but no, you're getting on to... Uh, triathlon would be what we'd call uh, cardiovascular health, right? Uh. So that'd be w- what's called your VO2 max. Has anyone ever heard the term VO2 max?
3: No. VO2.
2: No. V-O-2. V-O-2. VO2 max. VO2 max is a measure of your peak cardiovascular performance, which means, really, it means your ability to take oxygen when you breathe... And convert that into the necessary things for your bodies to to run within your heart. Meaning, your heart takes the oxygen from your lungs, uh, and then converts whatever percentage there's uh, like in the air. There's twenty one percent oxygen, just about. So, how much, how what percentage of that can you actually use every time you breathe is an efficiency thing. And so, people who do triathlons are very very efficient. At VO2 max. And so we'll go back to the, uh, like I said, strength. If you measure strength, the elite and the weak of strength, it's 250%. If you do the elite VO2 max people and the low VO2 max people, meaning cardiovascular health, it's 400% difference in chance of death. So heart health, meaning your cardiovascular ability, is the most important thing. More important than muscle mass, but muscle mass is obviously still also very important. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So doing some kind of cardio is very, very important. Yeah. Hannah, yeah. Pilates is not quite cardio.
0: <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? It's pretty. You, you, with, car- no, with cardio
2: is cardio is a measure of time under a certain amount of uh, cardiovascular. Yeah, but you're doing non-stop intensity.
0: activity during Pilates, right? Like you're like dancing with the music or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. So It's pretty static. Cardio is yeah. yeah.
2: uh, yeah, Pilates is uh, it's uh, like static yoga, basically. It's like holding. It's like holding. I thought it's more like jazzercise. No, no, no. No.
3: Okay. It's. I think it's more focused on how you activate your muscle.
2: Yeah, it's about Uh, muscle recruitment. It's about muscle recruitment, and it's Mm. about. It's basically doing static yoga poses, and it focuses a lot on core, from what I understand. Um, which is very important. Don't get me wrong. It's good for building muscle strength, and your core is one of the most important sets of muscles you have, but um, doing cardio as well.
0: You have to join us in the triathlon training (laughs) is what he's telling you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are you joining yeah. I'm already training, yeah. yeah. <gasps> biathlon. 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 I, maybe
3: you're also doing biathlon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which part are you, you don't want to do the swimming, Anna? So,
1: so I maybe still cannot do swimming. It's hard. Mm.
2: Swimming is, I mean, fantastic. I just, I don't have the time to... Mm. I also am training for a rock climbing competition. The cool
0: something. thing is, though, is how quickly. I've been swimming for three weeks now, and my, my times are increasing exponentially like i went from doing a thousand meters in an hour after one week to yesterday i did a thousand meters in 35 minutes so that's just three weeks of training non-stop uh yeah wow nice yeah but it's um yeah it it ramps (laughs) up really quickly (laughs) so you you can turn around pretty quick okay
1: every every time you learn things very quickly (laughs) it's,
2: it's just uh it's called myelinization It's a process that as you practice a, a, um, any sort of action over and over and over again, you're strengthening the neural connection on that. Mm -hmm. And so you, anyone who practices something it's like practicing guitar as well, you're just strengthening that neural connection. And it's just a process of time put in the more time you put in, the more, the better you're going to get at that thing. As long as you're doing it right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it does take a lot of time. It's a time investment to be sure.
2: But I would think with exercise, thinking about exercise every single time, the, the way that motivates me is thinking of it as an investment towards that marginal decade. Every single time I get I work out oh sorry, no, every single time I don't want to work out, <laughs> I think, "Oh, no, I have to. It's an investment of time into the future. I think that is the, that's been the thing that motivates me the most is like finding that. But I think for anybody, finding a reason or a, like a, a reason why, we talked about two, a couple of weeks ago, like fear is also a big motivator. So maybe a reason, you know, why not to look at someone who's maybe fat and unhealthy in your family and try to not be like that. <laughs> Sorry, fat and unhealthy family members. <laughs> That's maybe a little rude, but, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like trying to find a, uh, an example of what not to do, an example of what to do. Both of those together are really motivating to keep you uh, moving forward with that. Mm. Um, what would you say wh- what's like a number you guys think is like a good number of exercise a week
1: three times per week
2: uh, hours per week sorry uh,
1: before we have the three something three something <laughs> uh, before Taiwan's uh, three three three, 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 three mm. we have this uh, slogan slogan. <laughs> three, three, three. three times per week And every time 30 minutes What's the last three? I forget I don't uh, know so It'll yeah. be
2: an hour and a half uh, Right? Three times to three thirty 30 minutes yeah. uh, I forget mm, Any, I forget Anyways uh, Nice Three times And each time 30 minutes Okay so about an hour And a half a week Yeah Joe what about you? What do you think Is like a good number To shoot for To gain To start to gain Benefits from exercise
0: Well I mean Wherever you're starting at moving forward and just doing more than you've done previously is good to kind of ramp up to it. But what should be like an end game goal for something that's sustainable five hours a week, maybe?
2: Yeah. They say that the um, the best benefits come from obviously starting if you start at zero, three hours a week. If you're doing three hours a week of exercise, that's where you're going to see the most benefit. Mm hmm. The, the greatest increase in in bodily health 333 three, three. and then <laughs> so, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah Just remember 3 hours a week yeah maybe and then if you start to go above that i'm mean, obviously the upper end of that was oh, 14 hours was what i was reading is like elite doing 14 hours of exercise a week is kind of what elite lux, athletes uh, lux, luxury yeah right. that's uh, yeah. and that's professional athletes ah, would okay. be in the 14 hours a week Yeah. Um, Or not working. Joe's smiling over there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so 14 hours a week, if that's like your goal is to be the elite elite, but above three, and then it's marginal gains after that. But again, moving up, I mean, the more you can move up, the better
0: it is. diminishing returns past three hours a week. Yeah. Still still good, but you're getting your most bang for your buck when you can just get those basic three hours a week.
2: Yeah, so if anyone, I mean, listening is like I... I'm convinced Ryan has convinced me to exercise shoot for three hours a week. Don't start with three hours a week, start with whatever you can do, but have that be your end game goal of, you know, I want to eventually get to doing three hours a week of exercise.
3: Any recommendation workout? I mean, yeah. um, So
2: like we said, um, cardiovascular health is very important and so is strength. So you should do a mixture of both, meaning you should split your days up to do a mixture of both things um, I would recommend, and what I have seen from other, um, experts on this that I've read, read about, uh, like three days of strength training is probably the best at two at, or the minimum, I guess, uh, cause you need to hit all of the different muscle groups. So you need to have like legs, your lower body day. You need to have like core and balance day, core and balance. Balance is the one that's often missed in that. Balance, meaning those micro-muscles that allow you to, like, stand on one leg or something like that. Uh, And then, obviously, your upper body, meaning your arms, chest, back, that kind of stuff. So you want to have probably best is one day of each of those. But if you can't do that, like, do whatever works for you. You can do all of the muscles in one day. Um, But making sure that you hit all of those muscle groups is very important. And doing some kind of strength training uh, every week. And then also doing some kind of... um, cardiovascular training. So like a probably easy goal is five days a week for most people, three days strength training, two days of um, cardiovascular training is a, is a good goal for everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's, that's a luxury life. <laughs> well, if you, think, if you
2: think about... I do six days a week and mm. I do... I don't, I don't do a lot of exercise, but um, I do six days a week. And if you do six days a week for 30 minutes, that's your three hours. Yeah, true. Six days a week, 30 minutes a day. I, I think every i not not every single person, but yeah, I, I would say every single person has 30 minutes a day, six yeah. days a week that they mm-hmm. can do an exercise, maybe not in one block. And that's something that people kind of always, you know, they think I have to have exercise time, which is important. It's better to have an exercise time where you're committed, but if you don't have that and you have to do 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night, then do that, you know, be flexible with what you have and what your schedule allows. But if you do six days a week, 30 minutes a day. That's your 3 hours a week. Um but yeah, some kind of mixture of that. As far as like what cardiovascular work you should do, uh, it really depends on you. Like Jax obviously loves biking. Joe now loves swimming. I personally love running. Those are the three main ones. <laughs> you can also do you can also do rowing. Um what was your Rowing's what, great. That's actually your Croatian my that's friend? my favorite cardio. He did rowing, yeah. What was his name? Uh, Luca. Yeah. Luca did rowing and rowing is a, is a great cardiovascular exercise as well.
0: Yeah. It uses a lot of the different muscles in the body. Some gyms have those rowing machines, you know, I love those things.
2: Yeah. Rowing is great for uh, anyone who likes rock climbing. It's good for (laughs) working your back. Mm. (laughs) It's a very good, uh, back centric cardiovascular exercise. Yeah. Um, as far as like when you're there, there's an interesting thing when you are doing cardio, it's called your zone two. Has anyone ever heard zone two? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, have you guys heard of zone two? Who well, is wrong, you? <laughs> <laughs> Just now? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so zone two is a measurement of your um, basically your energy usage within your body. So your your body uses two main kinds of energy. Anna, what are they? <laughs>
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Joe, do you know? The two types of energy? Yeah. Carbohydrates. Yeah, so and sugars, sugars, fats,
2: and fats, yeah. Oh. So it's either fat or sugar is going to be the two kinds of things your body can pull on to do uh, any sort of exercise or movement. Uh, fat is the most efficient vehicle for energy, meaning a cell of fat will hold more than a cell of carbohydrates because fat is literally a string of mini carbohydrates if you look at it at a cellular level. Um, and so, but oppositely, uh, carbohydrates, meaning sugar, is the quickest to activate. It's the easiest for your body to immediately activate. So what that means is when you're doing, um, there's five zones that we break up our like anaerobic threshold into, meaning your, your heart rate and your like maximum level. Again, VO2 max would be the 100%. That would be the top. That would be zone five, the, the maximum amount that you're possibly able to give exercise. That's like your maximum amount before you start to die. <laughs> uh, zone one would be just starting just above um, like resting.
0: And is this based on heart rate or?
2: Yeah, so it's based, it's based on heart rate, but more so energy consumption, meaning what kind of fuel is your body consuming? Heart rate is a metric for that. Meaning, it's a, it's a way that measure and again, everyone's heart rate at certain zones is gonna be different. But so it's really the way that your body, what energy is your body pulling on? Uh, so, zone two is for people who are trying to lose weight, uh, and also people who are trying to increase their cardiovascular fitness, is the best zone. And you should spend most of your time within that. A lot of people will say 80, 20, or even 90 to 10, meaning percentage of time in cardio that you're in zone two versus uh, the other zones. Uh, So 80% of your cardiovascular training should be in zone two, 20% doing VO2 max, meaning sprints or something, where you're like huffing and you can't breathe. Um, So how do we measure zone two? Uh, To literally measure it, you have to have like an exercise test, which is not accessible for most people. Um, But the easier way to do it is kind of learning your own body And it's the, there's two different ways that work really well. Um, The conversation test, which means as you're running, can you hold a slightly difficult, like it's difficult to say the words slightly, but you're not having to take long breaths conversation. So are you able to talk with somebody, but it's not extraordinarily difficult, but it's also not easy. That would be probably you're in well within zone two for that. So if you're running alone, have a conversation with yourself. If you're running with somebody else, <laughs> if you're running with somebody else, have a conversation with them. And so being able to keep that conversation, but it's slightly strained. Again, slightly strained is going to be right about on the near max end of your zone 2 generally. The other way is by your uh, your breath. So like how are you breathing? Once you start to get above zone 2, you're not going to be able to do everything through your nose. Um, everyone brings through their nose here, just to make sure.
0: <laughs> yes. Please, people breathe, <laughs> religiously. Through, your, breathe through your nose. <laughs> mouth breathing is
2: so bad. <laughs> he,
1: he breathes with his mouth.
3: Yeah, because I, my, my nose has some allergy. Al- allergy. allergy. Yeah. Oh.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: We could talk about mouth breathing and nose breathing someday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> please, please. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, so w- whatever it is, uh, th- w- when you're breathing, uh, fairly easily through your nose, uh, just on the edge of maybe it's beginning to get difficult and you might have to take some exhales through your mouth. But once you start to get above zone 2 into zone 3 and zone 4, you're going to be huffing. You're going to be puffing. That's when it's, you know, above that level is going to be too much. And then you're burning sugar instead of fat, and it's not as good for your uh, your heart rate. Questions on that?
0: No, I think it's pretty clear. That's what you're aiming for is to get into zone 2 and stay there as long as possible, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So trying to push that limit. Um, so like... On a bike, you can figure out what gear is that in. Uh, as you're swimming, you kind of figure out what, like maybe breaths per stroke kind of thing you're in.
0: Uh, as yeah, you're yeah. running, similar thing. It's weird with swimming because, first of all, you're breathing through your mouth, and your breathing pattern is weird because you're. Yeah. There's all different breathing styles I've discovered, but yeah, it's 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 weird when it comes to swimming.
2: Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing the swimming, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the easiest is uh, bicycling or running is the easiest way to measure that because you're breathing out of water. <laughs> yeah. But I, once you learn your body, uh, it's, it's, uh, you can also do it on a like a, if you scale your own exertion, it's usually around a six out of ten. Six out of ten, meaning uh, zero, meaning like you're sitting. Ten, meaning you're dying. <laughs> six, meaning, OK, this is beginning to get a little difficult. Uh, but it's not it, I can continue it for a long time that is kind of zone two so that when you're doing cardio try to shoot for that
3: I usually measure like the heart rate yeah when I'm cycling yeah 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 usually yeah. I uh, my, my standard is 130 yeah 130 is uh, average when I like cycling with uh, maybe 25 kilometer per hour really yeah, yeah. and I'm hitting i always hitting 140 sometimes like in a up here, it, it will rise more higher, like one forty seven, one fifty, yeah. even higher. But uh, uh, my goal is one forty for like average.
2: Yeah. So that's really useful if you have a watch and mm-hmm. you can measure your heart rate and you can learn where that kind of that exertion level is and you know your heart rate at that level, then you can kind of get and access that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. super useful. On a bike, also you can measure watts. Do you have a watt measurement? No, I think that's very professional. Yeah, <laughs> that, and you that, can you can hook on a watt measure. They're very cheap to hook very on. Cheap? Very really? cheap. Really? Yeah.
3: I thing. think it's neat to have some sensor on your like pedal. Yeah, yeah. You, you have
2: some sensor on the on the, uh, the the gear shaft on the gear shaft. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know how expensive they are, but yeah, if you the yeah, g- professionals all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're on like a on a bike on a stationary bike, uh-huh. they have watt measurements in them. Yes. So that is the best way to literally measure exactly right. Oh. You can measure exactly what the wattage is, and then you can access that every single time. So biking is the most precise way. To, is there a number
3: that. like what watts equal to zone two?
2: No, because it's different for every person, oh, uh, oh. and it's dependent on your fitness level now. Uh-huh. So, for some people, I should say this: for some people who are just starting out, probably your zone two is fast walking is okay oh. to be zone two, right? It's an exertion level dependent on you, not dependent on everyone else, not compared to everyone else. I see. Um, so, walking fast walking for someone who is you know just starting to exercise is going to access that zone two. Um, whereas someone who's very fit is going to have to run at, you know, at X pace that's maybe much faster than, uh, you know, someone who's not as fit. So it's different depending on every single person.
3: Joe, can you, the the swimming pool you go, can they wear a watch?
0: Maybe, I haven't looked into it at
3: all. Last time I went to the swimming pool, Near my house They forbid me to wear <laughs> a watch They have a lot of rules I'll yeah, say that But I'm so but, but recently I go there And notice somebody still wearing a watch So maybe they change the rule
2: Yeah, you can just pretend Not to understand the rules
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, they will come and stop you And you say, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry? I don't yeah, speak sorry. Japanese I, I think they're very sensitive <laughs> about like They have a lot of signs About no cell phones They're very sensitive About people taking pictures Because people are in their Bathing suits, I guess Yeah But uh mostly old people at my gym, so I don't know who's trying to take pictures of them. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Maybe it's just the time of day I go, but yeah. Okay. All
2: right, last quick thing before we uh, jump on from this. Uh, The other thing for people, when you're starting out with exercise, please get two things right first. What are they? What are the two important things you have to do in your life before you start exercising? Jack, what do you think? Yeah, stretch. Okay, stretch. Yeah. Jack, what do you think?
1: Stretch. (laughs) Two things. (laughs) Two things. I
3: say one thing you ask other people <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Jack said stretch Anna said, <laughs> I, said I know Anna senpai. said str- I, it's okay I'll help yeah. Anna said first can consult a doctor uh, no none of those <laughs> what, what? <laughs> so don't stretch or consult a doctor those are not as important no
2: nutrition and sleep I would say nutrition and sleep are the most important things Okay. For okay <laughs> starting okay. out exercise um, stretching is a very very interesting thing when it comes to exercise there's a lot of literature that says it's really good, a lot of literature that says it's really bad. Stretching, I do stretching all the time. I love stretching. I think it's, think of it separate than exercise. It doesn't necessarily, I, I don't know without, like there, it's a very convoluted subject of whether it actually reduces your chance of injury. It's very interesting. Um, but it, because uh, you have to think about when you're stretching, what are you doing to the muscle? You're expanding the muscle, or you're lengthening the muscle. So you're lengthening the literal fibers within the muscle. Uh and it can lead to a longer, kind of weaker chain of muscles that can lead to more uh damage if you're doing like heavy weight training. So like they say if you're doing weight training you actually don't want to stretch. But if you're doing yeah, it's, uh, stretching is That's very interesting. First time I ever I heard heard stretching is the very next interesting. Yeah, yeah. stretching yeah. is very interesting. I've heard
0: that. It's it's uh, Highly debated subject. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of people who don't stretch at all. A lot of people who swear by stretching. I would say for you, I mean, if you like stretching and it feels good, do it. But keep in mind that you don't want to do it too much and then do intense exercise. You probably want to do stretching after your exercises better as a cool down generally is what I would assume for people. Um, but that's a personal thing. I don't want to give any. I'm not a doctor. Just the whole thing today. I'm not a doctor. That's <laughs> why, why I added consult the doctor <laughs> in there. The doctor <laughs> just for is
3: liability purposes. <laughs> yeah, that, for liability, to consult the doctor. There's one <laughs> sentence in Chinese that uh, if you stretch your muscle one inch
0: longer, you can live one more year. Mm. So... <laughs> Why? Why so funny? <laughs> it sounds like something people said a thousand years ago.
3: <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, uh, stretching for us is, for me, is always a good thing. I first yeah. time I heard the negative side of it.
2: Yeah, and yeah. no, it like stretching after a long day at work, sitting at your desk, amazing thing to do because the opposite is happening as you're sitting all day. Your muscles are contracting and getting tight. You mm-hmm. should absolutely stretch after sitting all day at an office job, a 100% that's yes.
0: The question's about stretching before oh. you do a specific exercise, athletic exercise, yeah. whether or not it's helpful for that exercise, not whether it's good in general. They say
2: generally from what I've read, I, again, I mean, it's very highly debated, but light cardio stretching is okay. If you're doing weight training, be very careful about how much you stretch, um, uh, because you can maybe increase the chance of injury. If you're doing heavy weight training, um, but again, but no, I would say, um, nutrition and sleep are going to be the most important things that you have to get right before you're exercising or you're just fighting yourself. Cause if you're not getting enough protein and you're not getting enough sleep, your muscles are not going to repair well enough and you're kind of hurting yourself rather than, um, gaining, uh, anything from it. Like when I was in my twenties, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to start exercising. And so I started exercising really hard from zero. Uh, well, not from zero. I'd exercised a lot in, uh, in high school, but I had taken a time off during college. So after college, I was like, all right, I'm going to start exercising again. Did it really intensely and got super, super sick a weekend because I wasn't sleeping right. And I wasn't eating right. <laughs> so you really have to make sure you're eating enough protein specifically, but I mean, more generally calories, you should know how many calories a day you need about, um, and sleep at least seven and a half to eight more like eight and a half hours is best. I like nine. Nine is also great. That's <laughs> <Lots> a <of> luxury. <laughs> six is generally not enough. They say that seven to seven and a half is probably the best range for most people. I
3: see. Okay.
2: How, how many hours of sleep do you guys
0: get a night?
3: My goal is seven, but mm. usually hits six thirty. <laughs>
0: is that enough? Do you feel good No, no, no. Yeah.
3: But the I think my problem is that uh, I always stay stay night very late. Mm. So it feels very bad when you go to sleep because the next day what's waiting so you soon. Yes, <laughs> the this work. Ah. Yeah.
1: Do you guys feel tired about live this kind of longer life? Like we need to consider so many things and you know technology helps us to enhance all the visibility of what we eat and what we do. Like we need to measure the the heartbeat (laughs) uh, everything and then
0: it it can be overwhelming just Uh, to think about and it's not like something you just do once and now you've done it it has to be an entire lifestyle so i think mm -hmm. the key to the whole thing is finding something you enjoy that you just like Uh, doing for its own reason and then that will give you the. because if you're just if you hate working out and you're forcing yourself to do it it's not going to last you have to find something you genuinely enjoy doing
2: but o- I think, or you have to uh, find a reason that's so scary that you're forcing yourself. <laughs> the
1: <office>. But <laughs> the point is that I want to live the healthy life like yeah. when I was uh, like older. Mm. But so I need much to do some investment now. But I feel very tired to do all of these things.
2: Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, th- what I've been outlining is like a perfect thing. But that and no one I don't do all this stuff. I don't measure my calories. I've never counted calories. I do count protein as the only thing I think. So you have to kind of figure out what's important for you and try a lot of stuff. And try it slowly. And don't don't jump, you know, straight into like fourteen hours a week and <laughs> counting all of your calories exactly. And that will be overwhelming and you'll you'll quit. Start slowly and integrate things like one one per week or one per month or something. Uh, is generally what I think is probably best.
0: I think also what you're experiencing is the fact that the modern work lifestyle is totally unbalanced. I think the amount of time that people have to spend at work is just too much. It's not not, going to provide you a healthy balance and let you really do all the things that a healthy human being should be doing. It's like the reason Jack stays up so late is because he's been at work <laughs> all day and he wants to relax and enjoy himself. Yeah. And he's not looking forward to going back there and doing it again the next day. It's, it's tough, man. It's, it's a tough lifestyle. So you just have to do the best you can.
1: Mm, okay. But you know, always have some like best, more best you can do. Sure, it's ideal. Uh, no, knowing yeah, and
2: it knowing can be and stressful. Uh, it can be really stressful to look at that. So I recommend not looking at that stuff if you're not ready to integrate it into your life. Because that can actually, that literally can make you less motivated when you see something that you want to do, but you're unable to do it, that can have a negative impact on your mental motivation to do something. So focus on the things you can do uh, and what you can integrate easily and do those only is the best thing. That yeah, you is. can
0: start off just by being like, hey, maybe one of the days that I work out, I'll do 30 minutes of cardio this week, you know, just start yeah. small.
2: Start small, yeah.
0: Hopefully find something you love to do. that's the
1: point. You need to care so much, like, exercise. You also have different (laughs) categories. Like, we cannot just do rock climbing. We need to do rock climbing. It's not the zone two. (laughs) (laughs) It's zone one, something.
2: Uh, Rock climbing Uh, can be zone two, but it's a different kind, yeah.
3: I think it's a totally different lifestyle with Asian people. Or with like me, because when I grow up, actually, my education is more about, actually, you just need to care one thing is enough. For me, in the student period, it's just study and the grad. And for adults, it's money and uh, like like uh, business and achievement. But uh, I think the, the modern or Western uh, or the wealthy country style is, is like, you need to care so many angles of your life. You focus on uh, your health your feeling, and uh, the quality of your life. Yeah, and that's, that's something we are learning. We, yeah, yeah, we need to th- change our mindset oh. to yeah. that uh, there's not only a number, but also the quality of your life. And in, inside the quality of your life, there's uh, like workout, family, friendship, something. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I mean, I would say the most important thing yeah. in life is your quality of life not your money that you make, not your status. Um, Nothing else matters as much as your health. Because if you're not healthy, if you're not mentally healthy and physically healthy, you can't enjoy anything else, I would Mm. say. as as the way I think about it always. um, is why I'm okay to not make as much money as I could. I could pursue a better job and make more money. But what would I have to sacrifice for that? I always weigh that when I'm thinking about things. Um, with money, of course, money is very, very important. You need to have enough, but you need to figure out what number is enough and what really do you need? Uh, you know, what is like the minimum baseline and just get that and then devote everything else to making yourself, you know, happy, healthy, investing time into like generative things like hobbies, music, that kind of stuff will bleed to more fulfillment for me personally, at least, but I think more for humans generally.
3: Thank you for the beautiful speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for, for me, for me uh, everything is number. So, <laughs> so the money I also focus on. So I focus on the financial and the economic. And for the workout, I think I also focus on number. <laughs> so when I do bicycling, I will say, okay, I, I can measure it by heart rate. This yeah. is an engineer's approach to life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, analytic.
1: Do you know yesterday I sleep 15% uh, uh,
3: deep sleep? Yeah, I think some factor affect me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference between a 15 sleep and 16 sleep? 16 percent. I think that's a big part yeah. to
0: unlocking, making those uh, those experiences fun for you. I also like to have the numbers and the data. that helps motivate me yeah. so I can, oh, I want to push up to a new number today. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, finding out what resonates for you with working out is uh, is important to make it fun, to make it interesting, to keep yourself motivated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Finding that thing that motivates you, if yeah. getting that number higher. Like mm-hmm. now you know zone two. Yeah. Can you increase that? Oh, that's <laughs> game for jack Zach. jack's <laughs> gonna be anna's gonna hate this okay
3: 145 <laughs> give me a matrix i will measure it <laughs> how about
0: joe how the w- workout what does it mean to you what does it mean to me yeah so when i was young I, I never paid much attention to it i was like oh you know my body's just here to carry my brain around oh. um uh, it's kind of the way i looked at it but as i got older i realized that um your mental health is connected to your physical health Mm -hmm. And that regular exercise improves every aspect of your life. It just makes you feel better. Um, It it helps you think more clearly. Yeah, I I think it's absolutely vital. And there's all these different aspects of life you have to balance, right? Um, Relationships are a huge part of life, maybe the most important part of life. Time you're spending with the people you care about. How do you balance that with exercise and career? I mean... Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's really hard, especially in the modern era where there's I think Some things are hyper focused on and some don't get enough attention. So, yeah, I just do my best to balance it all out. And uh, yeah, it means a lot to me. It's a balance. It's come to be very important. <laughs> so now you enjoy workout like every exercise. Oh, I love it. I look forward to swimming so much. Wow. But But for me, my workouts have to constantly be evolving. Like I can't just do the same thing every day and I'm set. Like I used to be super into weightlifting. I was doing that a lot. And then um, I got bored with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you need to change your workouts depending on what type of person you are. So my workouts are just constantly changing and evolving. And since I've discovered swimming, I'm into that. Next year, I'll be into something new. Who knows what? I see. Yeah,
2: yeah for me, I pursue pain, and I like it. What What
3: Joe hating. Punching. Punching. What 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 moment th-
2: you feel pain in,
3: in your workout? Like I
2: already told you guys, I do cold showers every day, and it's one of my favorite parts of the day. Is that horrifying feeling of all of a sudden where you can't breathe and you're like, Oh, oh what is going on? <laughs> uh, but so like when I'm pursuing in workout, um, yeah. like recently I got my weight vest to 20 kilograms and I oh. just I love that moment when I can do no more pull-ups. I'm just, Oh, I can do nothing. <laughs> wow. And I literally drop off the bar and almost fall down. Oh, I love that feeling. I was doing sprints the other day. Oh my God. It was, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was amazing, <laughs> and every person's different, so you have to. Yeah, find, not everyone's a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> you have to find what resonates with you. For me, mm-hmm. I like new things. So, mm-hmm. like two years ago, I was doing Muay Thai. Last year, I was doing Jiu Jitsu. This year, I'm rock climbing and swimming. I just I love studying and learning new things and doing new activities. So for me, it's about constantly changing. For Ryan, it's about getting to that place of pain. Uh, (laughs) I
2: I think it's a good thing to train yourself to try to enjoy to do difficult things just in general in life, though, because we have to do a lot of stuff that we don't want to do, right? You're going to have to go to work. No one really wants to go to work, generally. You have to uh, take care of kids when you have kids, right? You have to cook food for yourself. Sometimes you don't want to do that. So like forcing yourself to do something you don't want to do is a really good skill and you can nurture that in exercise if you try really hard with that. So that's kind of what I've been trying to do. Yeah,
0: just developing willpower is good for all of life. Cold showers right? and
2: pain, baby. <laughs> Anna, how have your cold showers
0: been going?
1: Stop, I stop it. You did one day only? <laughs> yes. That's not Too trying. Cold. That's not trying.
2: You have to try at least a week of everything that. Otherwise you haven't tried it. Okay. Jack, did you, did you try cold showers?
3: After biking, yes. Yeah, oh. try it every day. No, maybe no. Every day, every especially day. winter is coming. No, <laughs> sorry, I have to say That's no. The best time. And I think our show already become too positive. I hate it. <laughs> 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 I In Chinese, we will call it "you are pumping the chicken blood." Pumping <laughs> the chicken, the chicken blood? blood. Oh, Yeah, it's too positive. What does oh. that mean? What does that mean? Oh, chicken blood is like a, a poison, oh. and you make yourself <laughs> thinking very. Positively and just like a—that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Jake, a bad wow, true, positive, we, have, oh, we need to is, criticize something.
2: No. Oh <laughs> my goodness, that is a huge difference between Western and Eastern philosophy. Well,
0: but from a certain perspective, it's just like uh, the heart of a lot of things that people enjoy is conflict, right? It's at the center of a lot of things.
2: That's why I like pain.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a conflict. Yeah, but
3: anyway, it's very good information. I think, especially oh. song two. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. especially for for people who want to losing weight. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That exactly. Yeah, losing weight is huge for that. Protein high protein diets often help with losing weight as well. Yeah, they say one point two to one point six grams per kilogram no. is a good number to shoot for.
0: If you're exercising, if you're really weightlifting, you can go up to two point two. But so do we have time for history today or should we save it for next week
1: i think
3: we can do
1: yeah i think so yeah 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 yeah
3: i think let's do it
0: okay let's it, do it, it shouldn't take too long Yep. so i'll just do a quick quick little quick I- recap because i remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you guys remember last time what i talked about was china's long and illustrious imperial history. Outlined. i only
2: remembered that jack disagreed
0: with a lot of it <laughs> he didn't disagree with a lot That's of it. I <laughs> with one aspect which was the statement that um china had a largely peaceful reign compared to other empires throughout history and he made some mm-hmm. good points about how a lot of china's um conflict was within the boundaries of china and during the formation of china as it was which is a good point yeah um, i after
3: after the show i do some like study on the website. I think another good argument is that the uh, uh actually everything every every territory China conquer, they think it's within China. So they don't think it's an invasion, it's a uh, unified. Yeah. Mm. Like including
2: Tibet, Xinjiang, well, that's, how, that's the same that's the same language that's being used about Taiwan. yeah Yeah. unify unify Unify. it's it's not invasion not
0: invasion yeah so (laughs) i disagree it's a peaceful (laughs) yeah i mean basically every empire does that they in -hmm. the ones that conquer other lands they integrate them into their empire and then they it becomes part of the empire from that point forwards um but yeah basically once the Mm -hmm. more or less modern boundaries of china were established the, the neighbors they had beyond that were smaller, weaker kingdoms who paid them tribute. Like if you go to other empires, it was a huge problem for Rome that they were next to the Persian empires, the mm. Sassanids and yeah. the different groups that uh, rose to power there. It was a constant sink of treasure and soldiers and manpower um, to fight against those empires. So comparing China to an empire like Rome, you can say they have a pretty good situation when it comes to their neighbors. That mm. was one of the seven reasons yes. why they're so successful. Uh, do you guys remember the other six reasons? Nope. You mentioned seven reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> were seven, there seven <laughs> major reasons for the uh, long... I think
3: some <laughs> agriculture and something. Uh, yes. Agriculture,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's right. They uh, mastered wet rice cultivation yeah, very yeah. early on. And that was a very... Um...
2: I didn't know there was a test, man. I had zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Please recap us. <laughs>
0: the, the perfection of uh,
3: large...
2: <laughs> Joe is feeling the pain of being a teacher again.
1: Right
3: now. No, no. I don't mind. I, 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 I
2: ask my students every week. I'm like, what did we talk about last week? They're like, we were here last
0: week? <laughs> well, like I said, people tend to remember what they're what they're interested in. But I just want to recap so we have kind of a backdrop for what I'm going to talk about today. Um, so, yeah, early mastery of wet rice uh, cultivation, perfection of large scale water management techniques, uh, the creation of an f- efficient civil service. We talked about how professional and how um, meritocratic their civil service was. Um, we talked about... Just,
2: Jack's looking, What is a meritocracy
0: So, mean? meritocracy <laughs> is where the best person gets the job. You ah. don't choose your brother. You don't only choose Do you know the word nobles. Merit. Yeah. yeah. Merit.
2: yeah. Uh-huh. So, meritocracy yeah, so anyone is based on Merit.
0: Anyone could apply for their civil service. It was the world's first... Yeah, in the 7th century, it was basically the world's first civil service. Um, So yeah, that was another part of their success. Um, The adoption of a pretty... You know, patriarchal value system, Confucianism. And that's not to say that it's good to have a patriarchal system, just that it created stability for their empire mm-hmm. because a lot of people subscribed to that system, upheld it, and it prevented a lot of uh, instability.
2: Yeah, having a system is important, I would
0: say. Right. Um, a very well-developed legal code was another part of their success. Um, their advanced metallurgical techniques, their ability to turn steel into weapons. And then, yeah, what we said about them having three smaller, weaker kingdoms all paying them tribute. So those were the, the things that kind of um, helped China be as successful as they were. But today what I'm going to cover is kind of the beginning of the decline of the Chinese empire. So I'm sure you guys studied some of this in uh, school. Um, let me ask you, what do you know about the decline of Chinese imperial rule? Sorry, what's the definition of decline? Decline is no. when things start to go no. down. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's like <laughs> 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 Sorry, sorry. It's, whoa, 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 it's whoa, whoa, like whoa, whoa. After I want to visit China one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay,
3: okay. You already lose your rights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it after Qing dynasty? Uh well basically from seventeen thirty to eighteen hundred. Oh. So this is the Manchu dynasty. Yeah. Um the Manchus were kind of uh came in and conquered China, but then were as so often happened were brought into Chinese culture okay. they weren't didn't end up being that different just people started wearing those little pigtails in the back mm. uh, yeah I think
1: last time you mentioned the uh, opium, right
0: oh dra- opium. Dra- dra- opium opium yes yeah. yeah that's right opium ends up being a big issue and a big catalyst to the decline mm. of imperial China that's true mm. good so you know about the opium America now America be careful <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's actually, it's kind of interesting. The replacement for opium has been this new drug that's largely manufactured in China and is being shipped into the U.S.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Now, hearing that, I'm like, oh, it seems intentional. Yeah, it's kind
0: of like historic karma where China is now manufacturing uh, these drugs and shipping them into the U.S., whereas it used to be the British uh, producing opium in India and bringing it into China by force, which we're going to get into the opium wars next week. Um, but actually, the whole issue with opium ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, there were a lot of other problems going on in imperial China before the expansion of European mercantilism kind of um, pushed its way into China. And that's what I'm going to get into today. So the big root causes of the weakening of imperial China were isolationism. Mm. They kind of closed themselves off to the outside world. Uh, that's one. Uh, the second one was an unprecedented Chinese demographic explosion. They had a huge population boom that took place in China, mm. which weakened a lot of the systems underpinning their government. And then the last one is kind of what Anna alluded to, European commercial expansion. When the European powers started pushing into Asia and um We'll get more into that later, but starting with the first one, the isolationism, you know, it wasn't always that way in China. Like if you go back to the seventh century with the Tang dynasty all the way up until the Ming dynasty in the 15th century, they had extensive trade routes all over the world. You know, they had, um, of course the Silk Road, the way goods were moving all the way from, you know, Europe and the West into China and the East. Um, and also like in the early 15th century, they have you guys ever heard of Zheng He yeah well what do you know about Zheng He
3: it's Zheng He
1: oh Zheng He he built
3: the what uh, Dei, you know, uh, fleet? No. yeah uh, he had a
0: massive uh, fleet
3: yeah fleet, yep. a fleet uh, massive fleet and, uh, and then bring so many like china's like uh stuff and go to south side and even reach africa
0: yeah the horn yeah. of africa that's right
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh it's a big how to say event. Yeah.
0: He yeah. was kind of an ambassador of Chinese culture, uh, into the, you know, further west. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he ended up being opposed by a group of courtiers in the Chinese court who were jealous of all the fame and attention he was getting and all the power he had. So they ended up burning all of his charts, his navigational charts he'd created and um, really? Yeah, and and uh, forcing his boats to stay in harbor, he ended up dying on one of his last trips to the west. But after that, for 400 years, Chinese rulers kind of stopped mm-hmm. focusing on sending ships out west and just kind of folded inwards and focused on China. You know, from their perspective, they were the center of the world. They would already conquered every part of the world that mattered. Everything else was just details. So, I mean, during this period, when you look at what's going on in Europe, I mean, we have, you know the um unprecedented period of advancement in the european world you know things were moving quickly and china was completely close to that the renaissance happened china wasn't you know didn't take any part in that the enlightenment happened and meanwhile china's still just doing china so while the rest of the outside world was making these huge advancements, china was just going with what works they'd been so successful with their agrarian um style you know just cultivating rice and um living in peace basically for most of that period. So yeah, they they stopped focusing on the outside world and the outside world kind of passed them by. Um, And, you know, in addition to no longer focusing on the sea routes, when the Mongolian empire collapsed, um, the Silk Road was lost to China. So yeah, their their roads to the outside world were closed and they just kind of stopped focusing on the outside world. Um, The other thing that happened is around 1710, the stable population of China that up until that point had basically gone from 50 to 100 million people um, doubled in 75 years. They went from 116 uh, to 242 million over the course of 75 years. And then the following century, that number doubled again. So the problem with that huge population boom is the land could only produce so much rice. And the size of the average farmer's land shrunk and shrunk because there was no more land to discover it wasn't like they had all these other places they could send their new population so things were getting crowded and more and more people were living off the same style of agriculture that they'd always had you know because China also wasn't motivated to innovate they were still using the same techniques to grow rice they'd been using a thousand years ago so higher and higher population on the same amount of land using the same technology no innovation. Um, created a, a lot of problems in society. let call it a poverty trap. Yeah,
3: yeah. Because uh, because you do the agriculture uh, industry, so you need more manpower. So every family just rising, like, born more children, and then more children need more rice, and more rice need more people. So it's a it's a negative circle. So the the. Hey? In the southeast uh, part of China become very poor at that period, so they need to escape. But uh, China like kind of close the border. So the people go aboard is illegal and usually it's a one one way because if you go out it's uh, there's no way back. And so that's why more and more Chinese people come to Taiwan, because the, the for, for land Taiwan is an unknown land and some people live there the aboriginal people live there but they can easily tread with land and then kind of like lie to land and then like get their treasury and get the land there like freely so that's that's how our ancestors come to taiwan like 400 years ago they escaped from china because getting poor there and not enough not enough rice and after they come come to taiwan is a middle of nowhere because there's no government there so they tread with pirates japanese pirates and aboriginal people and kind of smuggle some stuff come to taiwan and go back to china
0: yeah yeah this is common throughout history you'll see that internal overpopulation a lot of times ends up in adventurism people leave their home yeah this is how you know um modern america by european ancestors was founded so people looking for opportunities end up going abroad to find them because there's none at home yeah and so it sounds like china was experiencing something similar yes yes. um the other problem with not producing enough rice for their population was that that was the source of the tax revenue for imperial china was the grain surplus you have to have extra rice to go around to in order to be able to use that to pay your taxes and that was their source of wealth Mm -hmm. but with not being enough rice production um, basically, the imperial system is becoming bankrupt. And that goes right into cause number three of the decline, which is European commercial expansion. So late in the 1700s, they have fiscal erosion because there's not a rice surplus. And to offset that, they start doing more and more trade with these rising European powers. You know, They start exporting silk, tea, spices, porcelain, and a lot of silver starts flowing into the treasury from Europe. So they have a really good trade balance in China at this time and of course the europeans are not happy about this that all their silver (laughs) is flowing into china and all these goods are flowing out for which there's a high demand in the west and they say i have an idea let's introduce (laughs) opium because in in england at the time opium was illegal in england no one was allowed to grow it or smoke it there but they're perfectly fine with shipping it off to um, china and um so British merchants introduce opium to offset the trade imbalance, mm. and it works phenomenally well for them. Uh, I mean, if you look at the basically um, period of time that let's see, what year is that? I got to hear my notes. Oh yeah, so 15 tons of opium were imported into China in 1729. 75 tons in 1767 340 tons by 1810 750 tons by the 1820s and by 1839 3,000 tons of opium a year are being imported into China completely reverses the trade balance and Creates again. It takes that same fiscal issue that the imperial dynasty had and just sends it into a tailspin now all the China all the silver is flowing out of China to Europe And that creates a problem for the farmers because the farmers sell their crops for coppers, but they pay their taxes in silver. And um, because silver value was going up because of the scarcity in China from the trade imbalance, basically the farmers are being impoverished. I mean, uh, in 1740, it was 800 coppers to about one ounce of silver. And then by 1820, 2,500 coppers to one ounce of silver. Mm -hmm. So you imagine you're selling your crops for coppers, but you're paying your taxes in silver. I mean, the farmers were just being further impoverished. So they started having tax rebellions. Um, The White Lotus Rebellion is what it's known as, where citizens were rising up because they couldn't afford these taxes. And they were basically being starved to death by their own government. And then in 1793, King George of England sent a trade delegation to negotiate a treaty with China. And this is a really interesting meeting of East and West from china's perspective england was just this tiny little island on the edge of the world that didn't mean anything to them and um at this time in europe you know uh england was a rising power their prestige um was going through the roof so they sent this guy mccartney out there to negotiate and he refuses to kowtow do you guys know what kowtow is yes yeah what's kowtow jack it's
3: like knock your head
0: yeah, so when you when you went to see the emperor, you had to kneel three times and prostrate yourself nine times. So it's like laying down on the ground repeatedly yeah. and putting your face on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he refused to do it. He's like, "I'm I'm not going to do that." <laughs> and as you can imagine, the emperor didn't like that. Um, he brought they brought a bunch of gifts. He brought cannon and all these modern uh, technology. And in return, the emperor gave him a large piece of jade. And the guy McCartney, he's like, "What is this useless rock you're giving me? Like, I brought you cannon, and you're giving me this." this stupid piece of stone.
3: The chat is no value in Western.
0: Well, at that time, to him, it didn't seem particularly valuable compared to the gifts he gave. So he kind of insulted the (laughs) emperor. And then he's like, we want to set up a... At that time, trade was not normalized. There was lots of restrictions on Europeans when they came into China. They had to dress a certain way. They could only go to certain parts of town. And they had to pay all these these fees. Mm. So they were trying to basically negotiate a more normalized trade deal between him and China. And the emperor is like, no way. It's like, who are you? These stupid <laughs> white people from this tiny little island in the middle of nowhere come in here and try to negotiate with me. It's like, don't you know who I am? I'm the son of heaven. <laughs> and so basically there it was a total cultural misunderstanding. They, they both um, insulted each other. And the Chinese emperor even kind of suggested that uh, the English should better mind their own business or else they might end up in a war with China. Mm-hmm. So he kind of threatened them. Um, and this goes back to what we call Middle Kingdom complex. Have you guys ever heard this phrase? No. It talks about an attitude that was prevalent in China at the time, where they they think they're the center of the world and no one else matters. Mm. Um, It's kind of marked by extreme cultural self-satisfaction, economic insularity, which means only participating in economics within your own country, or focusing on it anyways, uh, military complacency, and xenophobic contempt for all things barbarian. This is something that happens in history a lot is when you have a big empire, everyone on the outside of it, those are barbarians, you know, (laughs) um, and everyone on the inside. Well, those are, those are human beings, but they almost saw people from the outside as not being the same creature as them. Rome did this. They called outsiders, barbarians. And the terms foreign and barbarian was basically interchangeable in China at this time. Um, and keep in mind, King George This is the same king in England who lo- had just lost the Americas, right? The American Revolution oh. took place under his reign. So first he loses the Americas. Now he's having China tell him to get lost. Um, he didn't react well to that. And that's what we're going to get into next time, the first opium war uh, and where that all leads. So, yeah, it's it's a fascinating part of Chinese history. And you see that there's all these other problems underpinning the the weakness in the imperial system before the europeans even really got there and part of why the europeans were able to be so successful in subverting the power of imperial china is that it was already weakening because it was an old system that was not rising to meet modern challenges because they'd been so successful for so long mm. so it's like why should we change you know we've been the center of the world for thousands of years now these stupid white <laughs> islanders from the edge of the world think they're gonna come in and tell us what to do yeah yeah so yeah that's it for today
3: for me it's i always always blame it to technology like china doesn't focus on the technology and the advanced technical to like cultivate or something yeah i think that's the problem cannot solve many issues
0: yeah yeah they had very little technological like it, back in the seventh century they were at the leading edge yeah you know their wet rice cultivation the large water management. The metallurgical techniques they were ahead of the rest of the world, mm. but this happens again when you look at the rise and fall of empires. You see that they're built on the backs of the hardworking with high technology, and then they just get complacent and comfortable, and that's when things start to drop off because they don't continue to innovate yeah. and they don't feel motivated. They have a study
3: that in China the agricultural tool actually over one thousand years the tool has nothing changed. Yeah, same style, mm. totally same. Send iron, send uh, stick, something.
0: Yeah, well, yeah with, with when you have nothing but success, there's no motivation to change, right? Why should you?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're talking about the barbarian, not trying to call outside the barbarian. I think the, this Chinese culture is still exists. Like, like how to say that in some language, we still call white people barbarian. You know? Really? Yeah, some language. Cool. Yeah, and uh, it's between the it's it's two polarized. One is extreme, like, self-underestimate. The other side is the super-proud. Yeah. So, in one side, we call you, like, uh, Mr. White. Mm. Like, ren Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Uh. And an,
3: another part, we call you barbarian.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah. 是什么? Oh... Uh, yeah so this kind of situation still you you can see this language passed by hundreds of years ago it's still using now mm. and it's contains so many emotion inside Yeah, yeah i think
0: it's common that happens with people is when they have some insecurity they do both reactions yeah like you said they they try to look down on other people to boost themselves up but then they also feel bad about themselves and kind of you know compare themselves to other people yeah um And you start to understand when you study this history where the resentment of the West comes in, because here you have British who don't allow their own subjects to consume opium, forcing it upon China, basically bankrupting their system with it. And then when China tries to say, you know, enough, um, basically forces it through with military to continue the trade just for their own benefit. I mean, it wasn't super cool of England to do. Have you studied this history when you were in school? No, we, in, 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 in school we get a quick gloss over yeah. of Chinese history, very vague, just kind of catch the high points. We do, the opium wars we do kind of touch on, but it's like a couple paragraphs maybe. Oh, so okay. I only really got into it later in
3: life. In our historical book, it's very big events. I'm sure. And also we heard in England, they also call it a non-justice war. Yeah. Really? Yeah, inside England.
0: They call it the injustice war? In-
3: injustice war. Oh. And uh, I think every country, they hide their countries not so their good. Their shameful part. The shameful part. Also, maybe Japan, they hide so many mm. black stuff yes. in uh, World War II. Definitely. Yeah, so that's very surprised. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's what they did at the time, too. So you'll see next time when I talk about the Opium Wars, that from their perspective, they were just upholding international law <laughs> and protecting the sovereignty of their merchants. Yeah. But that's not really what was going on, right? Mm. Um Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And this is uh, Taiwan's going to appear for the first time in our next our next episode where um, Britain actually demands that China give them control over a little island off the coast of China in the modern era known as Hong Kong Uh and access to Taiwan and other places, too. So, yeah, I'm interested to dig more into Taiwan and where it fits into this historical narrative, which is the direction we're going. Nice. Yeah. Anything else about uh, Chinese history you guys are interested in? What do you think about this stuff so far, Anna? Have you learned anything? Is it interesting? Is it boring?
1: Um uh, I, I think it's very interesting. Yeah.
0: Is it stuff you already knew most of this? And you covered it in school?
1: Yeah, I think most of this. Hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, we don't learn it uh, in school too, so, so to me it's pretty fascinating.
1: Uh,
3: in our high school we studied Taiwan's history in one year. And other two years all studying China. Chinese. Mm. Oh, it yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's such a long history and so much of what's happened in Taiwan is affected by it. That Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Mm. So cool. Well, thanks for letting me talk about history. I <laughs> no, always, it's very interesting. I, I ah. always like to do that. And I enjoyed learning about exercise and health today and economics as always. Good array of topics. Anna, you're going to have something next week?
1: Okay, I will yeah. prepare for it. I always like your topics. <laughs> <laughs> so Weird we look. I <laughs> look
0: forward to that. All right, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.